everybody gather near the doctors in the house. So lend them your ears. The things he can say might even make your day. He might even help your pain go away. The doctor is in the house. The doctor is Dr. Ron, host of Dr. Ron Unfiltered, Uncensored, presenting our 22nd episode this year in our fifth season. So thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure, uh, and uh, we're going to get on and uh, see what we can learn today. It's been a trying time, right, ladies and gentlemen? But we'll see if we can get through it. This program contains general medical information. The medical information heard on this program is not advice and should not be treated as such. You are encouraged to confirm any information obtained from this program with other sources and review all information regarding any medical condition or treatment with your physician. And as I say, ladies and gentlemen, I welcome you with an attitude of gratitude, and especially now, because we know gratitude improves our quality of life, and it is an antidote for negative emotions, like the depression and anxiety we feel during this COVID pandemic. And G.K. Chesterton said, when it comes to life, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or take them with gratitude. So let's take them with gratitude. Remember, there's a lot of kind people out there, and if you can't find one, then be one. That's enough, but it is really important to have an attitude of gratitude to get through these very trying times. So it's been an interesting week, and uh, I know this show has been a little political, but it's hard to get rid of the politics uh, and medicine. But we will talk about what is health, uh, what we have to look forward to in our medical profession. We'll do something on sunscreens. But I can't go further uh, without going back to something I've, I've said for years, and that the real epidemic in this country is not the virus. It is death by modern medicine. And uh, Dr. Donald Light wrote a book in the early 2000s called The Risks of Prescription Drugs. And basically what he discovered was uh, and he wrote this when he was a fellow at the Center for Bioethics, at, of all places, the University of Pennsylvania. 
that we are that medicine is the third leading cause of death in the United States. Third leading cause of death. Wow. The numbers are staggering, ladies and gentlemen, absolutely staggering. And I, I've told you them here on this program before. But appropriately prescribed prescription drugs are the fourth leading cause of death. About 330,000 patients die each year in the United States and Europe. 330,000, not just in one year, but each and every year, and it's going up. They cause an epidemic of about 20 times more hospitalizations, 6.6 million per year. Death from over-medication, self-medication, increase these figures. In other words, 330,000 deaths per year, the 6.6 million hospitalizations per year, and the 80 million medically minor problems per year all stem from correctly prescribed medications, Dr. Donald Light. And the the book by Carolyn Dean, The Death by Modern Medicine, confirms these and actually brings it up to date. She says in her book, when we include deaths related to diagnostic errors, to the errors of omission and failure to follow guidelines, the number of preventable hospital deaths is 440,000 per year. It's an enormous problem. And it, it just blows my mind. But I, you know, that is the real epidemic. And now, bringing it up to date on Dr. Burks. I call her the scarf doctor. You know, she's the White House's coronavirus task force coordinator. So this week in the Washington Post... She said, quote, there is nothing from the CDC that I can trust. Unquote. The Post reported that Dr. Burks and others feared the CDC statistics on the mortality rate of this COVID-19 virus and case counts were inflated by up to 25%. And she told the Post that mortality is slowly declining each day. Of course, we have to continue to uh, shelter in place. We have, especially if you have comorbidities and you're elderly, you have to continue to wash your hands. But the numbers are have been inflated. And as I said a couple of weeks ago, the death numbers are people that died not only from COVID-19, but with COVID-19. The example I gave you was that a person jumps out of an airplane without a parachute, land on the ground and dies, someone swabs their nose and they have COVID-19. That has been listed as a COVID-19 death. Okay? So just remember that when you look at these statistics. And now the second thing. We heard a lot and I talked a lot about uh, hydroxychloroquine and Dr. Uh, Fauci, Dr. Tony, he didn't like chloroquine. He said there weren't enough studies, uh, only that the drug has been around for 60 years and only cost 60 to 60 cents to a buck a tablet, but he didn't like it. He liked his resmitivir, which cost a thousand dollars a dose. He really liked that one. He said there was no study. So a, a study did come out 
And what does he do? What does Dr. Tony do? He goes on CNN and says, see, I told you. It was just one little problem, ladies and gentlemen. The editors of The Lancet and the New England Journal of Medicine had to eat pie. All the numbers were fudged. They weren't right. They were wrong. And one of Fauci's protégés, Dr. Smith from New York, who was was prohibited from prescribing hydroxychloroquine, is the one that led the fight. He, He said these numbers don't add up, and they didn't add up. The editor of Lancet said, we published a fraudulent study. It was a departmental error. Gosh, how many, and how many people died or were prevented from getting hydroxychloroquine because of this study and Dr. Fauci's insistence that the drug doesn't work? And we all know it works if used early. Can't use it when people are dying. Nobody ever said that. You know, and there were clinical trials that were suspended because of this study that came out in the Lancet. But knowledgeable scientists and experienced clinicians around the world were really skeptical skeptical about it. They had open letters addressed to the authors. One of the authors has malpractice cases against them. I mean, all doctors do these days, it seems, but you know, he was the lead author. There was no ethics review. The number of patients in the hospital, everything, that nothing worked. Nothing seemed to be right. But the Lancet, like the Bible of the medical profession, published this study. I'm not going to go, I could go on and on about this study. But one of the things that really turned me off was, the editor says, the pharmaceutical companies are so financially powerful, they pressured us to accept the paper. Pharmaceutical companies are so financially powerful, they pressure us to accept papers. One more time. Pharmaceutical companies are so financially powerful, they pressure us to accept papers. Wow. Journals that, as physicians, we all rely upon for peer review. But it turns out peer reviews can be bought these days. And we get junk articles like this that fit the narrative. Okay, so hydroxychloroquine does have a place if used early. Side effects are minimal. You can look up and you can search about uh, retracted papers, you will find there are thousands retracted, but by the time they're retracted, the, the, the damage is done. Remember, people believe lies a hundred more times faster and thoroughly than they believe the truth. Now the WHO is telling us that asymptomatic carriers are not spreading the coronavirus. Remember, everybody had to be tested so they couldn't be spreading. Uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen, uh, your host, uh, gets a headache from all this stuff. It's just crazy. And one last thing. Would you believe that this great company, Merck, they had a drug called Vioxx. I was, that was out when I was still practicing. I never used it because I didn't like it. But they're being sued in Australia, and it has come out that Merck, quote, I'm going to quote this now, made a hit list of doctors who criticized Vioxx. 
according to testimony in a in a Vioxx class action case in Australia. Merck said, we'll neutralize them. We'll discredit them. We may need to seek them out and destroy them where they live. Merck, Sharp, and Dome. I guess it's just called Merck now. All about Vioxx. So I guess the uh, pharmaceutical companies are uh, pretty powerful, huh? And the CDC, as I said last week, has lost all credibility. All credibility. The question about the CBC is, CDC is, what has the CEC, CDC officials been right about? But maybe we should be asking, what haven't the CDC and other public health officials been wrong about? They've been wrong about the models, the lockdowns. Not for senior citizens. I got it. That's why I disagree. They've been wrong about the distance, the particles travel in the air. They've been wrong about the transmission of the virus from asymptomatic individuals, as, it, as now the WHO comes out and says two days ago. They've been wrong about the spread of the virus on surfaces. They've been wrong about the infection fatality rate. They've been wrong about the dangers of virus to children and young adults. They've been wrong about the use of face masks. As Shakespeare said, two masks or not two masks. We covered that last week. They've been wrong in their inability to protect individuals in long-term care facilities. They've been wrong in the way they've counted COVID-19 deaths, and they've been wrong in how they've classified COVID-19 cases. A Nobel Prize winner has a more extensive list. Okay? So what, where, where, are we going, where are we going with all this? Well, we have to ask ourselves, what is health? What does it mean? And what should we look forward to the future? Remember, the byline of this program, the reason I started it five years ago, was to give you the ability to think for yourself, to give you some alternative facts. Because it's physicians today that are that are educated are educated by pharmaceutical companies. Over 80% of the Board of Directors of Medical Schools are from the pharmaceutical companies. A pill for every ill is how they're taught. But if you have a physician who you can have a conversation with, a nurse practitioner who you can have a conversation with, uh, that's a good ally. Okay. All right, so let me get my thoughts together here because uh, I thought I would have someone help me out with this, but they're not there. They can't make it. So my thoughts are, are, are this. There's too many people who are being overdiagnosed. I mean, there's just too many diseases that they make them up. And if you have a disease, you have to have treatment. So now you have over-treatment. That leads to wasted resources. That could, what could you do with them? You better, that would be, you would have more time preventing and treating real illnesses, right? 
There's a big financial incentive to over over diagnose and over treat. There's a big financial incentive for expanding disease definitions and lowering treatment thresholds. In other words, 30 years ago, it was okay to have a cholesterol of 300. Now they want it lower. But now we know that low cholesterol is not the cause of disease, but is the cause of lack of testosterone and hormone function and immunity and brain function and Alzheimer's disease. So why do we go down that path when other people say we shouldn't be, shouldn't have gone down that path? Do you ever think about, you know, when you see it, or I, I talk about a trial, and they say they use healthy controls. What does that mean? I, I begin thinking about that. Does that mean that there, they are people who take some pharmaceutical drugs now consider themselves healthy? Are they self-reporting that, oh, I'm healthy, but I take Tylenol, ibuprofen, blah, 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 blah. Are you healthy if you have chronic conditions like asthma, allergies, anxiety, arthritis? Do healthy controls exist? Just because we hide a symptom with a drug, that mean, does that mean we're well? That's what the advertising tells us. But maybe we should go back and... and Remember what Hippocrates told us, you know, that symptoms from an illness uh, can represent our body's attempt to adjust to the threat. And you all know, you know, take Tylenol for this to lower a fever, right? Take ibuprofen, lower your fever. But our parents knew a fever uh, is, is important to the immune system. And so with a little bit of inflammation. You know, if you get a cut or a sprain, or as you heard Dr. Sergio here a few weeks ago, he injects compounds into your tendons and muscles to make them have an inflammatory response so they heal with, they heal stronger. So not all inflammation is bad. could be part of the healing process. But if we have a fever and we shut it off with a drug, does that mean we're healthy now? Does health mean that we just don't have any symptoms, even though we may be taking a drug? I don't know. I don't think so. While we're at it, what does WHO say about health? They say it's a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being and not merely the absence of disease or infirmity. But maybe it should be a state of where we adapt and our body faces challenges by thriving. Think about that. So we have vested interests, financial interests, and misinformation of clinicians, clinicians that are they're relying on journals like Lancet, New England Journal, JAMA, because the, the, the funding got articles published and they should not have been published. There is no, we're talking about systemic uh, in, uh, irregularities in race. Well, there's systemic, there's no systemic transparency regarding funding sometimes. So we have to, uh, this is all important in, in, in choosing a physician. 
You know, if you go to your physician and say, yeah, look, I have arthritis, and he just wants to pull out the prescription pad and starts writing your prescription, and you say to him, how about turmeric, doctor? Should I try turmeric? He's, ah, that's wives' tale. There's nothing to it. But, you know, and you say, well, can we talk about it? And he doesn't want to talk about it. You know, could be a tip, and he's just not interested. Okay. So there turmeric is a great drug for inflammation, right? Benefits your heart, your joints, and a lot of other things. While we're on turmeric, I, I I've had some people ask me about it and I, I just want to tell them that it's its effect on brain health are certainly remarkable. And it can come combat inflammation. Extensive research from all over the world, not just the United States. Because you can get a, a blood test called the C-reactive protein or CRP, which is an indicator of uh, inflammation. You know what? Taking turmeric can lower that. It can lower levels of the, that inflammation marker. In some cases, by 32%. I can say that I was astonished it could work that good. I've told you that inflammation can be a silent cardiac risk. So you want to keep that inflammation down. Now, cholesterol is not a bad thing, but triglycerides are. Turmeric uh, can lower them. So, to get back to the point, though, uh, if you, you you know that that turmeric can possibly help, there are studies out there, and your physician or provider now they're called they're not called physicians anymore. Do you have a primary care provider? You know, you go into a doctor today, he says, uh, have you had all your vaccines? Uh, who's your cardiologist? Who's your pulmonologist? Who's your dermatologist? Who's your neurologist? Who's your urologist? Who's your gynecologist? I mean, geez, you know. You go to each one of them and no one knows what the other's doing. So um, that's where we're headed. We're headed. We're headed to getting your care at Walmarts and Walgreens. You know, in the state of Florida, uh, pharmacists are going to be able to diagnose and treat common diseases. And I told we had a show with Dr. Powers from the who's the president of the Pennsylvania Medical Society. We talked about nurse practitioners who require graduate level of education of two to four years and maybe through training, patient care hours, five to 700. Your family physician has 10,000 to 12,000 hours of patient care hours for his training. Right? Most MDs have 12 to 16,000 hours of patient training. And they have residency and fellowship training. So where am I going with this? I'm going that 
if possible, it really would be great to find a MD, DO, family practitioner who has an open mind and is not ready to give you a pill for every ill. That can that knows something about nutrition more than the four hours he had in four years of training. Okay. So some people are calling this medicalization of ordinary life as disease mongering. Well, sort of a like I said, a pill for every ill. They are trying to control the market, and it is financial. You know, they're coming up with different diseases for us, aren't they? You know, oily skin, dry skin. (laughs) Pretty soon, we'll all be able to be sick. We'll all have something that we could take a drug for. You might have pre-hypertension. That's a new one. Pre-diabetes, preceded by pre-pre-hypertension and pre-pre-diabetes. Yeah, we could all we could all join join in and take a drug, take a pill for that ill. So the point again is, if you have a physician you can have, or, or a provider or someone you can talk to, and have, you know you want to stick with that person. But if you don't, you really want to get educated. Uh, on this program and other programs like it because uh, as we get older, uh, those of us have been around for a while, we know that when it comes to medicine, sometimes less is more and uh, you don't have to treat everything. Nature does take care of itself. Uh, And we are sort of an engineering marvel that all the systems work within each other and then we work with other systems so it's, it's really important all right i want to just a quick note about vitamin d i've been a proponent of vitamin d3 for years and years and years I, and it's it's really great because you know you can get a blood test for it everybody uh, offers a blood test for vitamin d3 i told you weeks ago that vitamin d3 levels are inversely proportional to the severity of covid so the higher your, your vitamin D level, the less chance you have of getting COVID. Or if you did get it, you would have a milder case. So one of the problems with the lockdown is it kept people inside, couldn't get any sun. And if uh, they had a physician that didn't believe in vitamins, well, uh, they, they were uh, up the creek. So... I had a show where I, part of the segment was vitamin D combats viral infections and boosts your immune system. Don't you know someone came out with a study that says vitamin D doesn't do anything? And then CNN spread those lies. And it was a lie. Um, Let's see if I can find that article for you, because it's really important that you do uh, on May 27th, CNN published an article that was was uh, pretty awful. It could be deadly. Okay, if you believe that taking vitamin D can hurt hurt you a lot, and too much vitamin D can lead to a toxic buildup of calcium in your blood, that's what they were saying, causing confusion, disorientation, blah 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 blah. Right? They talked about hypercalcemia, calcium buildup. 
but but when you take vitamin D, it's not due to not due to the vitamin D. It's due due to insufficient amounts of vitamin K two, not the vitamin D per se. Of course, when they did the study, they didn't give anybody vitamin K two. But when you review all the published trials, there are no toxicity symptoms, including hypercalcemia, at doses up to 10,000 international units of vitamin D3 per day, even when used long-term. When you talk about hypercalcemia or too much calcium associated with vitamin D, those patients were taking 3.6 million units 3.6 million, not the 10,000, over the course of one to four months. So they were taking upwards of 30,000 international units a day. And then CNN condemned the whole vitamin D because of that. So there are lots of vitamin D experts out there. You don't have to take my word for it. Uh, But if you listen to, to CNN and vitamin D deficiency, you're, you put yourself at risk uh, for viral diseases because low vitamin D boosts your risk of having a serious COVID infection, ladies and gentlemen. And as I said, the, it could, uh, the patient, patients who died all had low levels of vitamin D. And God forbid if you're in the house, you know, you're not getting any sun. So vitamin D is a strategy that can save lives. So I, you know, I'm not a big fan of Angela Merkel, but she she has even come out and said whether the Germany should be supplying vitamin D to everybody in Germany. Well, you know, maybe maybe she's not so bad after all. So it's not dangerous. You should take K2 when you do take it, uh, and before we, you know, we get into September, October. In the fall, when will probably come back, you really should be optimizing your vitamin D levels. Okay, uh, maybe I should have a whole show on that. Maybe we'll do that in the next couple of weeks. Because improving your immune function, right? Like we said three months ago, lowers your risk of viral infections. You know, if you take your probiotics. But if if you have adequate levels of vitamin D3, okay, and it's a blood test, and you want it between 60 and 80, well, it's nanograms per milliliter, but just remember between 60 and 80, okay? They measure it a little bit different for our European listeners. In, in, In Europe, they use nanomoles, and there you want it around 150 to 200. But for our U.S. listeners, you want it between 60 and 80, and the darker your skin, you know, your body doesn't absorb as much vitamin D. Isn't that something? Because of the dark skin, either Mediterranean or Afro-American. So you, you do have to supplement. And it, these, these, uh, you can measure it, and then you can uh, take the right dose. There's even a, a vitamin D meter uh, that Android and Apple has that, so you can calculate it vitamin D calculator. 
anyway, the the idea here is to take, you know, probably in the, in the winter time, minimum of 5,000 units a day with a, a couple hundred milligrams of vitamin K, K2, D3 and K2. And the app, I just looked at my note, it's called D-Minder, D-M-I-N-D-E-R, D-M-I-N-D-E-R to calculate uh, vitamin D. Okay, so you want vitamin D, okay? But then again, you don't want to, we don't want to demonize the sun. And if you go out into the sun, uh, you want to be safe, right? Now, I have talked about EWG, EWG.org on the internet, Environmental Working Group. There's some horrible sunscreens out there, and the higher these ones that are 100 do nothing for you. We do not want to be afraid of going outside, ladies and gentlemen. We want to recharge our body and soul by getting some good sunlight. So, the the mainstream media has everybody brainwashed. If you go outside, you should be coated with sunscreen or put on enough clothes so that nobody knows who you are. You could be the invisible person. I could tell you that studies are showing what's happening inside your body when you roll on that, on that sunscreen. The worst things, I'll tell you a little bit more about the sprays. They're, they're the worst. I just, as a general rule, as of right now, it is my recommendation you never use a spray sunscreen. And EWG will, will back me up. It has six, uh, and it just has a lot of dangerous chemicals. And oxybenzone is one of them. Avobenzone is two. Octocrylene is three. They stay in your body for up to three weeks. The FDA, for a long time, because they never really checked them, so they don't get inside your body. Well, your skin is the largest organ of your body. Remember that. And I think it weighs more than any other organ. But these chemicals are absorbed into the skin. And they're critically harmful to you. Critically harmful harmful to you. They are hormone disruptors. They can cause estrogen and testosterone and cancer, disrupt, well, endocrine disruptions of, of estrogen and testosterone. And some even think they can cause cancer because they percolate and boil under your skin. So they penetrate this protective barrier we have. That's one, one of the reasons I told you don't use a lot of, uh, uh, of this Purell-type alcohol products because it can... Get rid of the oil in your skin. You, you need that oil as a protective barrier. It's important. You have you have organisms on your skin that keep you healthy. Okay. If you're going to go out for 20 minutes or less, you know, and you, you're fair skin, I wouldn't put anything on. Okay. But uh, if you're going to be out longer, you know, uh, you want to, you want to use a healthy sunscreen, and we'll get into that in a second. So what does the sun do, ladies and gentlemen? It stimulates vitamin D production. It helps your immune system. And it activates something called nitric oxide. You know, you may hear this thing about beets advertising, get your beets. Well, that's nitric oxide. Nitric oxide is important. It, it opens up all your arteries. It's a, it's a great uh, 
byproduct of this of sun exposure. Okay, so don't let the sun demonize you. And moderate doses have tons of health benefits. Now, in America, in the U.S., most sunscreens on the market, believe it or not, don't offer an adequate shield from the sun. They may, you may think from the label you're protected, but you're not. Why? Because the regulations for these sunscreens are weak. They're inadequate. Europe has actually a, ro- a more robust list of approved sunscreens. So our European listeners, you're ahead of us on this one. Especially ones that protect against UVA rays, the type more prone to cause melanoma compared to the UVB rays. Europe has stronger standards for their sunscreens. Products in Europe have to have a proportional UVA, UVB protection versus the ones in the United States. This UVA, UVB ratio is not required here. Some people think the FDA standards for UVA protection are so weak. And the EWG, Environmental Working Group, said that their analysis of sunscreens in this year's guide showed that 75% of the products we reviewed would not meet European standards for UVA protection. And, of course, like I just said, the the Environmental Working Group found that chemicals, sunscreen ingredients are systemically absorbed after one application and some ingredients can stay in your blood, drum roll, three weeks from one application. These drugs can stay in your body for three weeks. If you can't pronounce it, I'm not, going to, I'm not even going to tell you what it is. There's six or seven of them that stay in your body for three weeks. Okay, so you don't want to slather these things all over you. And I've been following WG for at least six years now, and they have 14 years of uh, sunscreen analysis to go on. They analyzed 1,300 of them, along with moisturizers and lip balms, and only 25% offered adequate protection and are free of those ingredients like oxybenzone. You know, and, and, you know, oxybenzone this is one thing. You know, it's a hormone disruptor. You know, if you're a guy, it can lower your testosterone levels. If, you, and if you're a woman, it can, give you, it can make you have more estrogen. If you're a woman, it can, it's associated with endometriosis, right? a disease in, in, inside the uterus. Oxybenzone in sunscreen. Well, the FDA is sort of sort of working up, work, waking up to this, and uh, there are a lot of good ones you can use. I can, I don't have the time to go through all of them, but ewg.org has the list for beach for sport. Uh, some of the highly recommended ones were three sixty five everyday value mineral sunscreen sport lotion. For kids, adorable baby sunscreen lotion, butter bean, never heard of that one, 
I personally use one called Raw Elements Face and Body Sunscreen. Uh, they have one that's uh, it's colored like the skin, so it doesn't go on white. Raw Elements. So, it is an incredible report on their website, ladies and gentlemen. They go through sunscreens and moisturizers. Let me just tell you, do not use Walgreens sunscreen lotion SPF 100. Do not use Panama Jack sunscreen continuous spray. In fact, don't use any spray. Do not use CVS's Health Ultra Sheer Lotion SPF 100. Copper Tone Sports Sunscreen Lotion SPF 100. They're the worst on the list. Okay, so number one, sunscreens that are not approved have an unhealthy dose of hormones. Okay, some of the these chemical sunscreens can cause allergic reactions. And so can oxybenzone. The retinal poly form of A can cause cancer. Here you're trying to avoid it. Now you got retinal palmitate, a form of vitamin A can make skin cancer or make others spread. And these real high SPF sunscreens can give you a false sense of security. You know, I say, well, I'm protected. I don't have to worry. Okay, but because but you're just being protected against UVB that burn the skin. The UVA rays are the ones that penetrate the skin more deeply and are harder to block with the sunscreen ingredients that are approved by the FDA. And what does too much UVA exposure do? Well, it suppresses your immune system. It causes harmful free radicals to form in the skin. It's associated with a higher risk of developing that dreaded melanoma. And spray sunscreens, they're just a serious inhalation risk. They make it too easy to miss spots and not apply enough. They could be going to your lungs, and we don't know what kind of damage it could cause there. We are advising, don't use spray sunscreens at all. Okay? It's a long report, ladies and gentlemen. I tried to give you the, the highlights of it. The cliff note versions, as they say. Okay? Uh, but thankfully, the FDA is finally uh, proposing some sweeping new rules. I'm not an FDA fan, but... Some people say it's the best uh, government agency money could buy, but maybe here they can do some good for us. We don't just want to get overexposed. That's not that's not good. And there's no perfect sunscreen, okay? Zinc oxide probably is the closest thing that uh, to it, and a lot of my friends and family use it. I like raw elements, but a lot of my family uses uh, zinc oxide. It's been around forever. It's that white stuff that you... Like when I was a kid, lifeguards would put on the tip of their nose, right? That you knew they were a lifeguard. And, you know, you do have hats and sun protective measures like sunglasses, seeking the shade, the sombra. La sombra in Spanish. From sombrero, you seek the shade. Okay, so that's my take on that. 
I think it's important. Wow, already 45 minutes. Um, all right, I, there's not a lot more I really wanted to talk about today. I just wanted to get off COVID for a while, and, you know, it's going to pass. I guess I should tell you that, you know, please be careful. There's a, a House Resolution 6666 that wouldn't enable people to come into your house and test you for COVID. And if uh, anybody in your house is positive, they it would give them their authority to remove you from your house. Please be careful of that bill, 6666. Look it up. Tell, tell your representative you're against it. This vaccination that uh, Bill Gates is proposing is a RNA vaccine. Mimic M, it has an M because it mimics your own RNA, gets into your DNA. The theory behind it is it gets into your cell, makes your cell's DNA produce the antibodies toward the COVID. The problem with it is for the last 15 years, they have never, ever had a coronavirus vaccine that didn't kill more people. This At the present, uh, vaccination is... Uh, the one they wanted to go so fast, they gave it to five or six volunteers, and they ended up in the hospital, nearly died. When they gave it to gave the vaccine to Ferris, they had great antibodies. This looks terrific. They exposed the Ferris to the wild virus. All the Ferris died of an uncontrollable inflammation. Package inserts for vaccines say they should not be given to people that have impaired immunity. Gosh, I think there's not many people over 65 or 70 that don't have impaired immunity. There are many children that have uh, uh, an immune system that's developed during the first couple years of life. There's a physician at Children's Hospital in Philadelphia named Dr. Offit. He said patients can take 100 vaccines a year. That's another story. But he said he would not take the M. RNA vaccine. But here's a guy that owns patents on vaccines. Uh, he wants everybody to be vaccinated, but he wouldn't take this vaccine. So be aware that there's bills going to be passed or try to be passed that, that would make vaccinations mandatory, even if you have religious or other uh, reason not to get them. Okay. You want to be uh, you want to be on the lookout for that. And these vaccines is, is the scary part is not to get too technical, but they're going to have nanoparticles in them. And these nanoparticles, nobody knows what they're going to they can do. Can they get into your brain? Some of them are metals. So. Uh, and some of them, and, and, and if we have Bill Gates' way, he wants us all uh, tattooed with uh, nanoparticles, and they can scan us so they know whether we have a vaccine or not. And the virus is going through, just like Dr. Ben-Gurion from Israel said, it's going through its normal uh, life cycle, and it's already dying out. And when the lockdown was put in place, it already was leveling off. It was already plateauing. He said this virus had a 70-day cycle, and he looked like he was right on all the time. So 
the vaccine is suspect, ladies and gentlemen, and in this, in in my opinion, and in the opinion of a lot of other people. And when Doctor Offit was against it, then I knew I was right. So uh, be be careful, be informed, okay. Read, listen. We may go to twice a week because there's just too many. Too much news out there that's not making the mainstream media, not making uh, the news at night. You know, you know, Dr. Tony comes out and says, oh, you shouldn't be taking hydroxychloroquine because of this study. But didn't did you did you hear the report where the study was debunked and was falsified and none of the numbers matched up? You, know, you don't you don't hear that as much. You know, you don't hear about contaminated vaccines, but they're out there. So there is a vaccine establishment out there, ladies and gentlemen. And before you take a vaccine, you'd like to see it out on the market for the five years to see what's what it's doing. But there are questions that exist, but nobody's talking about them. All right. So look, this is Dr. Ron, host of Dr. Ron Unfiltered, Uncensored. I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, you know, we have uh, Freddie who wrote our opening number and I just wrote our closing number. Thank you, Fred. Uh, Fred used to play with B.B. King. What a great guy. Um, so next week, let's talk a little bit more about the immune system and vitamin D. I think it's important, uh, even though it's summertime, a lot of us can get outside now. It's important that... Uh, we don't slack up and we have a good reserve going into the fall when we don't have as much sun or it's not available to us. And those of us who are locked in, you know, maybe not getting out, uh, we have to build up our vitamin D and uh, we have these telehealth conferences. We have to ask our physicians to get our vitamin D level checked, right? It should be between 60 and 80. Okay. Got that number between 60 and 80. Uh so next week, let's talk about a little bit, finish off about the sunscreen. So I'll, I'll try and digest that report down so I can make it uh, shorter. Talk about vitamin D3 and K2. And let's talk about something uh, that no one talks about. That's ferritin levels. That's how much iron is in your blood. Now, I'm not, if, you have, if you have an iron deficiency, you're taking iron. This does not apply to you. But I'm talking about, you know, people... 40, 50, 60, 70 years of age, early 80s that are in good health, uh, get your ferritin level checked because the higher it is, the more chances you are having oxidative damage to your heart. So maybe giving giving a pint of blood twice a year or so might be good for you. We'll give you the rationale for that. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Ron here. Uh, tell your friends about us. We are thinking about switching the providers uh, and uh, thinking you thinking that you uh, might want to support us uh, if you're interested in this type of um, uh, programming, getting together with some others of like mind. It might cost a couple bucks a month. I'm not sure yet, and, and I'm not sure I'm going to do it, but it, that's in the, we're thinking about that. I'm on Alexa. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Stitcher. I'm on Google Play. I'm on Apple Podcasts, all 370 episodes, okay? And there have been some good ones over the years. There's some great, great guests. All right. Adios. 
Have a great week. Stay well. Keep washing your hands. When you're washing your hands, you know, you can wash your face at the same time. And we'll see you next week. Hey, everybody. Dr. Ron's finished for the day. I hope you got some good wisdom for what the man had to say. If it's all about good health, the man you got to see. He has a lot more answers for you. So tune in next week when the doctor is in the house. Or when the doctor is in the house. Let the doctor know what's bothering you when the doctor is in the house. Doctor is in the house. Doctor is in the house. Let the doctor know what's bothering you. I'm sure he can tell you just what to do. The doctor is in the house. The doctor is in the house. Let the doctor know what's bothering you. When the doctor is in the house So if you have a pain Call the doctor If you have a strain Call the doctor Let the doctor know what's bothering you When the doctor is in the house The doctor is in the house See you next week